Nancy was like third on my most listened to artist <laughs> rack this year. It's so embarrassing, but it just I'll never let it go. It's fantastic. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 48th episode, I'm here with Lori Lee Boutet. Throughout the podcast, we discuss managing in the music industry, her, or, her origin story, social media, the music business, managing from a distance, and much more. We also play the Dream Fest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the last Cloud Machine podcast of the year, the 48th episode. Uh, we're taking a couple weeks off, so I'm saying it early, um, but it's the first time in in, uh, in in almost a year. So I think it's well-deserved, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. But for now, um, we're here. Uh, it is the 48th episode. Um, for those who, who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning everybody that works in it lives it, loves it, and surrounds it. Our goal is to shine a light on roles, people, and realities of the music industry that are often forgotten or taken for granted. Whether you're someone that's dreaming about making a move in the industry, have some songs recorded and don't know what to do with them, or just a listener that wants to learn more, you're at the right place. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Lori Lee Boutet to the podcast. Um, she is the founder of Wednesday Management, an artist management company based here in Toronto, representing the Beaches, Alex Porat, Ven B, Ralph, and one of my favorite Canadian producers, um, Connor Seidel. Uh, she's she was previously working at A and R at both. Uh, sorry, she was previously working A and R at both Arts and Crafts and Universal Music Canada, um, and as well um, Virgin EMI in the UK, which we'll talk about as well uh, in this episode. I've had the pleasure of witnessing her work through artist friends and now clients of ours at Eights, and I believe she's at the forefront of the, the modern management movement here in the city. Um, so I'm very stoked to be bringing you this hang, absolutely hang, uh, with, uh, with Lori here today. So, um, hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for accepting the invite. Um, at the beginning of the Cloud Machine sort of uh, process, uh, writing up like a bunch of names that I would want on the pod. Uh, your name came up a bunch, and um, so I'm still gonna have you on. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I hope I hope it's as valuable as you think. No, no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I, 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 I'm always thinking about the listener, and uh, having managers on the podcast is always like um, something that's very key for me. Um, going to like literally university f- to be exactly. Um, in your role in management. So I'm, I'm stoked um, to have Sorry you. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, pros and cons. Yeah. But, um, let's start the podcast, how we always start the podcast, with um, your favorite live show experience as a fan. My favorite yeah. live show experience as a fan. Yeah. I know you sent me these uh, <laughs> questions fine. in advance, <laughs> and I zero came, I zero came prepared. Um, th- this is going to be the uncoolest answer um i think you're gonna get but me and my mom my our my first concert was in sync okay and me and my mom went and we stood you know like sixth row and watched the show Fantastic. and my mom was you know on the top of her chair whoa yeah just dancing her little heart away <laughs> and uh i don't know that that, that was kind of like the beginning it's like a very magical moment. Yeah. You know, that that first show, that first kind of like, especially to like InSync back there, the production was was mental, you yeah. know? Like <laughs> yeah. 
they could dance. They were singing. They were dancing. The production was like insane, and it, it's just kind of like when you. It, it, it's just like you're so kind of like enlightened and yeah. and young and like oh holy shit like yeah, what yeah, is yeah. this you know yeah. and it kind of is what uh, I don't know you you always remember that first one for the rest of your life you yeah know? well I was just gonna ask you about the first one because it often comes up you know I have a lot of people in the that that's in the industry that have had the chance to see in so many great 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 shows but it's oftentimes the first show ever that comes back do you remember a specific moment from that first show that's that you know, it's like I don't remember the, one song or something. Yeah, I don't remember the moment. I just remember the feeling. Yeah, and I think Fantastic. it's like you're you're almost like overwhelmed by emotion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think the longer you do it, it, it kind of just becomes day to day, and you lose it. And so I almost like miss, yeah, miss that moment. You know, was your was your mom a bigger NSYNC fan? <laughs> My mom was in the instant, yeah, being an NSYNC <laughs> yeah. fan. Yeah. That was some good shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great music. I still listen. NSYNC was like third on my most listened to <laughs> artist rack this year. It's so embarrassing, but it just, I'll never let it go. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, next question. Uh, yeah. I've, I've recently sort of adopted this question. I love it so much. Um, it's back again. Is there a pro, and for you, I've, I've, I've changed it a little bit. I said, is there a project slash band slash artist slash campaign and slash era, any of those that you've worked with so far that would best represent your work? So for the people that don't necessarily um, nor, know um, you or your work, is there something, something that sort of maybe a campaign or, or, an era in your case that sort of best represents your work. Oof, that's a that's a, that's a hard question. I'm sure as a manager. As a manager, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. They've they've been they've been so different. Yeah, you know, like totally. I I I think that every every campaign that I've done has kind of led me to where I am today. Yeah, yeah. And every mistake that I've ever made on every campaign <laughs> and or artist project or just moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that collectively they're all me and they've all made me into what I am now. Fantastic. Yeah. I know that's not answering your question. <laughs> it's very all. diplomatic. It's, very, it's, it's, very it's also diplomatic. very manager. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, pick one of my artists. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's all. It's, but I, it's, it, but like this year has been, um, you know, by far kind of right. It, it, this year has been like the year that has come together and has been so successful based off of everything else. Right, right. You know, right. there are moments where I, I'm like, oh, why didn't I get this earlier? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. How come I, I only got a hit in the UK now or how did I only get the beaches now? And, and I think that if I would have had both of those acts five years ago, I'm not sure I would have been ready to do it. Sure. And so, um, all of kind of like my successes and failures led me to, you know, what is this now iteration of, uh, my career and my life basically. There you go. I guess, yeah, I guess the, the, the question could have been, is there like a year that, yeah. that sort of best represents you or that you're most I proud of? this year. This year, yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. You, you've, you, you, you were also saying, um, just catching on to a couple of things that you're saying right now, is um, 
I, I've never had it hit in the UK or something. Um, it just it's not necessarily that the end of that question, but it's it's the the beginning of the uh, the, the the sentence. It's I. Um, I feel like with management, there's such like a sense of uh, responsibility there. Um, how do you? And for those who don't know, I'm also I'm always I'm always thinking about the listener that's listening to the conversation, and um, because because it's not they wouldn't maybe necessarily associate the manager with the success of a hit or yes. the success of an of a of a of a, of a, of a project. Mm-hmm. But for you, what is that? What is that? What is the? How do I say? How does that responsibility like shape for you? And um, how does it come about? Yeah. I mean, I um, I don't make music, so I don't make hits. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I can't uh, like manufacture. You know, a lot of people manufacture hits, or they find artists and they, you know, put them through almost like a writing factory to get yeah, what yeah. they call hits, and then they release it, and then they get. Some- That's not what I mean by it. You know what I mean? I I think it's more. Um, whenever you, like, every moment that you have as a manager is, like, a type of experience that you then have under your belt. Yeah. And so every small win is a door to um, a whole different world that you didn't have access to. Yeah, So whether it be, you know, different promoters, different agents, um, different people at DSPs, it kind of just, like, it opens to a world of fans within the music industry that you uh, don't always have access to. Yeah, yeah. And but through those moments, you kind of get to build, you know, you get to build your repertoire. Yeah, of yeah. Your your network of people through it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, like I, I, I probably shouldn't have said I. I mean, Venmi really did have the hit. Um, but to be a part of something that was so kind of magical and exciting and eye-opening kind of um it it showed me a whole different world that i didn't have before essentially i just totally respect the eye in what you were saying just because i feel like the manager um should like say it like that mm. um, because there's so much work from the manager i just i guess i sort of wanted to, to see your perspective on um the team aspect between the manager and the artist because it's such a it's such a thing where it's like the, the manager couldn't do it without the artist sure but the artist could definitely not do it without the manager i think the the truth is is that like it's not um n- no one needs no one needs to know about the manager other than the industry sure and so when an artist is having a hit yeah like y- y- you know People who are reading the news or who are watching TV or they're uh, indulging in TikTok, like, it has no benefit to my career for them to know that I manage the client. Like, I'm not, nothing's going to change, you know? Like, like Instagram followers for me do nothing, you know? Like, and so when someone is having a moment, you know, you want the spotlight to be on them because the more that they get to own it in the eyes of the public, kind of like people kind of like they grow on it. They tell people oh, they did the don't they did this on their own or did the, they did this. And and people love to talk about the story. And I, I just like I don't think anyone cares. It's so boring to be like, 
the you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Who's the yeah, who's, who's the, the manager? manager? Yeah. Like nobody cares, yeah. you know? Maybe if you're Scooter Braun, I care, you know? but yeah, you care. Yeah. And so you kind of get you you get used to um you get used to just hiding behind the curtain. Totally. Um and I don't I definitely don't mind <laughs> hiding behind the curtain. But it does, you know, the wrong manager can really really fuck shit up for you. Yeah. And the right manager can really, really help you. Yeah. And there's a bunch of managers that are just kind of also good that can probably help you, you know. And I don't think anyone can kind of predict when you're going to have a rocket or when you're going to have a hit. It's just like when you do have it, like what are the right steps being put in place to make sure that there's like a longevity to the artist's career. And I think that's kind of like the responsibility of the manager. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the, the music business part because we're actually sort of talking about it right now. Um, throughout the year, and it might change next year, um, we've been sort of taking a look at Erica Badu's quote, call, uh, and she just says, music and music business are two different things, mm-hmm. which is what you're basically stating right now. That it's very different. Yeah, it's very different. Um, what are your first thoughts when, when, when you sort of um, hear that quote, um, and how is the business part viewed on your end of things? I think it's art and commerce, right? So I think an artist is very good at creating art, and I Mm -hmm. think hopefully business people are very good at doing the business. And I think when you try to mix them, then it kind of muddles um, the art. You know, yeah. like like musicians shouldn't be making music for the point of success. They should be making music that they think is the most authentic. And then because if it's the most authentic, that's how, you know, it's going to connect with the most amount of people. And then the business side is to exploit it, yeah. you know, is to to take what's the pure, you know, the pure form, the pure art form and just make as much money as possible. And mm-hmm. so they, they shouldn't mix really. Right. They should be, you know, I they should be separate. Do you feel the responsibility for your artists when like do you do you feel the ex- the responsibility of exploiting what they've done? Oh, hell yeah. 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 But that's but I that's mean, like that's I'm your a job. That's the job. Yeah, 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 you know, like yeah. I'm a glorified salesperson, sure. really. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm just walking around telling everyone how amazing my artists are constantly. You're yeah. you're a salesperson. It manages <laughs> it. You're you're just a, a salesperson. Totally. In uh, in university and and I've always thought about like a manager as like let's say if you're a band you're a four pe- person band the manager would always be sort of like the fifth person of that band is that how you feel about it? No. Interesting. Okay. No, I don't. I think when I think when you're young you kind of want to be the fifth member of the band. Yeah. I think that. Uh, and when I was younger, I was a part of it, and I wanted to. I w- friends, you know, like. I, I mean, I'm still friends with all my clients, but, you know, like, I want to be, I'd want almost, like, the coolness of the artistry to rub off on me and be a part of it, where uh, now it's, it, it's, it has to be, it, again, it has to be separate, because, you know, they need to respect that the decisions that I have for them are based off of uh, the business side and what will be the best for their careers and they need to be able to just kind of, I don't know, be, be mad at me. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. They, 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 like sometimes I make decisions and people don't like it. And, 
and it's always for the, like it's for them it's for their their best the the best version of themselves and sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes it's annoying but you kind of need that respect to be able to make those really hard decisions it's a fantastic answer again um where do you think the the music business is going it's 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 always <laughs> it's always changing yeah. it's it changes so much and even like when i you know when i first started 12 years ago it was like what we had was like the CDs weren't selling anymore. And so, um, and Napster had been ripping everyone, everyone was downloading and SoundCloud had arrived and it was the beginning of hype machine. And so, um, people weren't selling records. The industry was getting really small. Everyone was kind of really scared, but, um, here was this weird thing, hype machine that could blow up songs in a day. Yeah. And um, and that's when publications were really important and getting on blogs. Blogs, and, yes, yeah. And not just like not just the pitchforks, the small ones that could uh, impact hype machine. Yeah. And that was such a huge part of it. And 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 media was so strong and, and PR was so impo- it was the most important thing. Right. And then that changed when Spotify came along yeah. and Spotify and Apple. And then and then the thing that was breaking artists was playlisting. And blogs didn't, and publications didn't have the same impact that they used to, and it was all based off of you know what playlist could you get on, Mm -hmm. and and whether or not the DSPs liked your music, and if you made music that sounded good on playlists, you know people started making music for playlists. Like that was a weird area, yeah, era, and um, and then and then that changed, and then now. You know, at first it was YouTube before it was TikTok. So, yeah. like, can you and and Facebook ads and Instagram ads? Like, people were getting really good at digital marketing. People were posting covers on YouTube and doing crazy music videos and having stuff go viral on YouTube and 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 Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gagnum stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. that was <laughs> super important. Yeah, yeah. And now we're kind of in this like TikTok world or or uh, short form content world where mm-hmm. um, playlisting doesn't have like can't break artists. It's only a part of the marketing plan. And you know, radio can't do much anymore. You yeah. know, it's only part of the marketing plan. And it's all being driven by um, social media and TikTok. And and because of the way that the platforms work, especially something like a Spotify or YouTube, it's about driving consumption from like a TikTok or an Instagram reel. And then when you can drive fans to the platform, then the Spotify algorithms kick in. Right. And then, you know, that's when the, the platform is being used at its best because it, know, it, it, it gets a shit ton of data and then it's capable of taking that data and being like, we know you will be fans of these people. And yeah. so, you know, Discover Weekly or radio or even personalized playlists, they kind of, you know, that's when it really starts working. But it all starts with short form content, um, which is very different because we've kind of seen the, the it, it's kind of gone from, it's been gatekeepers for maybe like 60 years. Yep. And for the first time ever, it's it's in the hands of the artist. It, nobody gets to own who becomes famous. Mm-hmm. It's the people get to decide. And so through short-form content, TikTok, 
you know, um, it's in the hands of the artists. So it's changed. It's hard to, yeah. yeah. So I, so the answer to that question is I have no idea where it's going. Yeah, what's the next I don't step know the, past that? No. I just know that like you just got to adapt. Yeah. Const- you're yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. adapting. And when something gets old, you you got to study, okay, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? And like pick little pieces of how other people mm. were able to build careers and then try to find your path that way. Do you, th- do you think that the, the – uh, it's not on my page here, but do you think that the like the mysterious artists can still like be a no. thing? No, I think that <laughs> I think uh, it's funny because that was also part of the. So when it was based off of gatekeepers, so yeah. like when and even before I I even missed like when I started, we had blogs, but before that it was radio. Yeah, right. Sure. And so you always had gatekeepers. You had radio. You had publications. Uh, you had Spotify, and then you have what we have now, which is like the 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 new the new world that we live in for music. Um, but you had to be mysterious, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you had to kind of when it was gatekeepers, you had to build like a almost like a, a story around what you were doing to get gatekeepers gatekeepers excited so like it had to be like this is cool and this is (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like don't tell them they have no faces and they don't like and and this idea of what a star was is they were very untouchable yeah yeah yeah. they were just this thing you know stars and and people were just like they were they they were so different from one another Mm -hmm. and and now it just doesn't work like you have to be I think now the generations have completely changed. I think Gen Z and probably Gen Alpha want to feel like they relate to their stars. Yeah. And so when you try to do a, a weekend, you know, because the weekend was very mysterious, very cool, it just doesn't work because gatekeeper. Even if you have gatekeepers, there's it's not enough to build a career off of, mm-hmm. and so you need to find ways to. Um, you need to find ways to get close to people and to connect with people. And like nobody connects with mysterious people anymore. Like you, you're not giving them anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about like my some of my favorite bands of all time. Like like a Radiohead. Yeah, okay? a Radiohead couldn't exist. Couldn't sorry, they could exist and they are still existing in today's world, but they couldn't like restart. Like there's so many artists now that it's like no, like Tom York wouldn't be like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but maybe like it, it, this is the thing is that like everyone gets so this is why short form content is is like more, it, I is like the word over like a TikTok because I think that like anyone can build a world around themselves and right. so like Radiohead I I think they could still do it right but right. they would have to tie. Um, like, like they would have to find really interesting ways to film their live show. Yes, or you know, like they would have to like like a you know, Jungle brought back the music video, right? So they would have to maybe they would invest in crazy weird music videos, um, and then just find ways to kind of like grab people that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I'm just thinking about yes, Radiohead's an example, but all, there's also so many like star, like I guess stars now that are just a little bit older, past the gen, maybe like yeah, maybe Gen Z. Um, but it's just like if they would have to restart, I think that their whole like personality thing would be completely different. I'm thinking about like uh, even yeah. like the Daniel Caesars of the world, where it's like oh, I post like once a year or something. Yeah, but like 
my tours sold out across the world like that yeah. that's so wild to me but i don't know if that's sort of like the realities of of, of today um please give me the, the lowdown of the origin story where you're from yeah. and uh, how you um grew up like artistically i guess culturally yeah yeah um i will always say that i'm not a creative yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people are like, oh, you're in the creative industry. I don't see myself as a creative. I see myself as um, definitely more of a business person. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, my origin story is born in Quebec City, but mm -hmm. moved to Toronto when I was like three. And, you know, grew up mostly in Toronto and then moved to Montreal when I was 14. And uh, lived in Montreal maybe until I was 18 and, um, I was heartbroken. Okay. And I, I was like, heard about a gap year through a guy that I met. Cause like we didn't have, the, we don't have those years. So I'd never heard of a gap year. Yeah. And so I said, I said, fuck, I want to do that. Yeah. I yeah. Go to gap year. <laughs> and so I was either going to go to like London or Paris Yeah. and it was much easier to get a visa for London. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'll go for a summer. And I went for a summer and fell in love. I absolutely adored London. I, d I didn't want to come back, so I didn't. I stayed there for about five years. Okay. And I um, ended up going to university over there. Mm. And while I was in university, I always had, like, projects. So, like, it started with, like, a lifestyle blog. Um, I thought I wanted to be in fashion. I don't know why. I just I, I think I just thought it was cool. Um, so I started, like, a lifestyle blog and my roommate at the time like would write stuff on and we'd write stuff together and um post it on facebook instagram didn't exist yet and uh her boyfriend was like performing he was in a band and he was playing a show and i would take photos of like people's fashion i had like a dslr and so she was like do you want to come take photos of my boyfriend's band and I was like, sure. And I went to a gig and I took photos. The worst photos. <laughs> Terrible. I, I and you know, you know what's so embarrassing that makes me cringe is like I ended up buying one of those flashes because yeah, I yeah. kept on taking gig photos and like these poor artists, I'd be flashing <laughs> flashing in their face while they were performing. Um, took the worst gig photos, but I something happened when I was doing that and I just kind of fell in love with the music scene. Yeah. Um, and so I put, I started putting on nights. I did a few nights oh, yeah. where I would like book bands. This is all in London. This is all in London. Right. Um, and I, I, uh, made like acoustic videos. I did a series of acoustic videos in, in like a, in like a pub bathroom. And, yeah. um, I just loved it, and I, I just thought it was really fun. I think I, I really I really like that side. And, again, like, I didn't even know you could work in music. Like, it, sure, I, I yes. never put two and two together. Yeah. And, uh, and I came back one summer to Montreal, and then I, I said, oh, I'm going to scrap this lifestyle blog. I'm going to start a new one. It's only going to be music-related. And I gave myself the goal of finding a new song every day. And so I used to um, walk to university, which was an hour and a half walk every day. And I would like find, I would research on blogs and I would find songs on SoundCloud and I would save them. And then during my walk to university, I would listen to all the music that I found. And out of that, I would pick my, my favorites and I would right. write about them. And 
it's funny because like looking back, I was almost like learning how to, I was almost like training my ears. Yeah. Um, it was almost like a sense of A&R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say, it's, it's, it's very A&R. Yeah. Without, without even knowing. Right, without, right. E- without even knowing what I was doing. Um, and I wrote a song a day and I get it. I got an email from an A&R and they're like, hey, like, love your blog. Yeah. We should go for drinks. And I was like, who the hell is this person? What do they want from me? And I'd asked a friend who, like, put on shows and he's like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's Charlie. He works at his A&R at Warner. Right. And uh, we went for a drink and he was like, well, you know, I, he's like, I wrote a, a blog because I wanted to work at A&R. And I said, I said, what's A&R? <laughs> and he explained the job to me and I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I, I want to do that. And, and I was like, what do I have to do? Like, what did you do? And he was like, well, I just met as many people as possible. So yes. Like, yeah. Every meeting. He's like, every time you meet someone, you ask them to introduce you to one person. And I said, okay. And I said, can you introduce me to a person? He said, no problem. He introduced me to a few. And then I, I met another one. And I was like, how did you, every time I had, how did you get into it? Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and it was a guy, James Talbot. And he goes, well, I write a gig listing. And so every um, Monday I write a gig listing of, I go through every venue and I write what I think are going to be like the best shows of the week. And then he's like, then you email the gig listing to all the people that you met previously. Right. So you like collect the people. Sure. And then people would email me to ask me to be on their, like, can I be on your email? And so I started um, every, it took me five hours every Sunday because I would go, I, I just like didn't know some of the artists enough. So like I go to every venue and I would listen to every artist. Right. And I, based off of that, I would make this gig listing of what I thought was going to be the best. And five hours every Sunday night. And then I would email it to every A&R. And then on Monday, I'd post it on the, on the blog. And, uh, and people, yeah, people would just email me to get the gig listing. And then right. the last thing I did was I, I like, had, like, guest um, uh a guest playlist so people would come and like they'd be like oh here's like this a and r and then they'd post it and and through that i i ended up meeting so many people like an insane amount of people yeah and it's funny too because i was so broke like i (laughs) was so broke yeah but I had a meeting every night with an A&R person yeah, who had, you know, who could expense a drink or a dinner. <laughs> and so, like, every night I was eating and drinking for free with A&R people that were, like, you know, I was, like, 20, 21, and they would have been, like, 22, 23. And we were, it was so wow. fun. Yeah, they yeah. Were very young. And we just went out and drank, and I, like, became friends with all of those people. Mm-hmm. And I literally, like, like, Six months later, I got an email. Um, I had like three emails for jobs, and I ended up meeting um, Mike Smith, who at the time was working at um, Mercury, which then eventually turned to Virginia MI, and he offered me a job as an A and R scout in in London. And yeah, it was crazy. So I did that. <laughs> yeah. Very fun. Fantastic. I did that as an A&R scout with Mike and I, he, he was an amazing boss. He was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like signed blur to publishing at 26 and, yeah, yeah. um, I, I learned, I learned so much. I, I worked also with this guy, Adrian Jolly and Joe Kentish and, 
they were very, very nice people to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and you worked sort of on, like under them as a scout? Yeah, like a, a, like a talent scout. Okay, okay, okay. Um, just an A&R scout. Um, and you'd sort of, every week or every day, exactly. would bring them sort of like... Bring them stuff, yeah. yeah just well, gossip. 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 They, yeah, I remember the first day I was like, I was like shitting my pants. You know I mean? I'm like walking into the Universal building. I was sweating my balls off. And I was like, uh, so what do you want me to do? You yeah. know what I mean? And Adrian brings me into his office and it's me and it's, it's, it's me, Adrian and Joe. And I go, okay, so what do you want me to do? And he goes, they're like, we want you to get very drunk with everyone and you come back and you tell us all their secrets. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I took it very seriously. Yeah. Took that job very seriously. Um, I was like, I don't have an expense account. Adrian left the 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 office. He goes, so Mike comes back. He goes, you now have an expense account. He's like, Fantastic. you need to, yeah. He's like, you just, you need to tell us all the gossip and you need to be on top of everything. And I just kind of, yeah, took it very, very seriously. Wow. And, and uh, <laughs> so I did that. And then unfortunately uh, the, the labels merged and then I, I had a new boss mm. and my visa needed to be renewed. And, um, and so they were like, we're not going to keep you. Yep. But, you know, we'll help you get a job at Universal Music Canada if you want to go back home. And so they did. So so I, even before coming back to Toronto, I, you know, having spent two years kind of like drinking with everyone, meeting everyone, yeah. I was devastated to go back home. But I remember asking every single person that I knew, like, who do you know in Canada? Like, introduce me now. And uh, so when I flew it, here I kind of like had a bunch of meetings lined up and, and yeah. met a bunch of people and then ended up working at uh, Universal Music Canada for about 18 months. Yeah, yeah. And then left and started uh, Wednesday Management and now it's almost been eight years. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, what made you sort of switch from A&R to management? I think that... Um, well, first of all, A&R in the UK and A&R in Canada yes. was very different. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I got a little too spoiled too soon. I would have been mm. 21 with like an expense account, Yeah, yeah. you know, like just partying in London, meeting people, um, going to shows in the studio. Like I didn't like, you know, Mike at the time was like, you don't need to be in the studio. You just need to be everywhere else. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I was just everywhere. I met, I, I met even more. Like I had, I would have five meetings a day, you know, and I spent so much time talking to people and getting to know them and talking to artists and doing all these things. And when I came back to Canada, it was like the offices in Scarborough, like, you know, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in, in the UK, it's like yeah. High Street Kensington, you walk out High Street Kensington, it's London, and and uh, Universal Music Canada was in Scarborough, so I had to, like, drive an yeah. hour every day to go sit in a cubicle, and um, and it, it, it just, it, it was different, I'll mm -hmm. tell you that, it was very sure. different. Um, I was pretty... It, in hindsight, as an older person, I can look back and be like, I think I was pretty angry when I came back to Canada. Like, I didn't want to be there. And I I was just like, 
everything's shit. This is shit. Like yeah. I, I would just constantly be shitting on everything that <laughs> in the A&R meetings. And it's funny because I actually think Randy Lennox, the president at the time, like loved it. I think he found it so fascinating right. that the only person that would tell him that something was shit was the, you know, the, the, the 24 year old that had just come from London. You right. Know? Um, and he, he ended up becoming one of my mentors Okay, and was very, very gracious to me. And, and we had, we had a lot of fun together, me and Randy and really helped me out. But, uh, but it was, it was just, it was a different beast, you know, <laughs> it, 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 the UK media is like a, the, it's the UK media at the time could sustain the market. Yeah. And so, sure. you know, if you get on BBC Radio 1 or, you know, or the blogs at the time, it just like it had such an impact in driving consumption. Where in Canada, we're so overconsumed by the U.S. Yeah. And the hardest part was like the moment something would get any traction and they would get an email from a U.S. A&R scout. They could be 18 years old. All of the artists would be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go to the U.S. label. Do you know what I mean? So it was like so hard to sign anything that was uh, hot or like viral. In the U.K.? Uh, no, in Canada. Oh, in Canada, in yes. Canada. Yeah, yeah, in totally, Canada. totally. Um, or U.K., you, 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 like they could compete. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you could kind of sign whatever you wanted in the market. Well, you had to compete with other labels. Yeah. But like people weren't like, we're going to the U.S., whereas like in Canada – um, all the acts that I wanted to sign, they'd be like, ah, we don't want to sign. Yeah. You know, like, which I think in hindsight was probably a mistake on their part, but it was just, it was so impossible. So what ended up happening is I would develop. And so I started developing um, like really, really baby bands, you know, like I found Ralph at that time. And I worked with this artist called Saya, S-A-Y-A, and I found... Um, uh, Jason Brando and Charlotte Cardin, like I, me and Jason were managing Charlotte Cardin together at the time. And I just, I, I was starting things that were so early that they almost didn't make sense to sign to Universal Music Canon at the time. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to be, continue being a part of the actual growth from the ground up. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what ended up pushing me over the edge was like, I don't want to drive. I don't want to drive two hours a day and I want to be hands-on and I don't want to be tied to a cubicle. Totally. Um, and there was kind of like, especially cause I was so angry when I came back and I was really upset about it. And when I finally kind of like set free and started managing, I felt like the world was mine again. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, you know, spent three weeks in LA, spent three weeks in New York, spent three weeks in London. And then this idea that I was stuck in Canada had kind of disappeared because yeah. I, I realized that as a manager and having my own business, I could kind of just be wherever I wanted to be. Looking at your LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> there was a, there's a period of time where yes, you had, um, sort of left Universal Music Canada and, uh, started Wednesday. Yeah, but then you went back to uh, arts and crafts. I did. So, that, so where where what's that journey? All obviously, there's ups and downs. Was it ups and downs? And you just sort of just went back to arts and crafts, A and R. Yeah, sort of yeah. Vibe? Um, yeah. I mean, I I uh, got let go from Charlotte Carden. Sure. And it was devastating. Yep. It was really tough. And that was kind of like a big chunk of my revenue at the time. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I was like, holy shit, what am I going to what am I going to do? And I remember kind of being like, OK, I'm going to tell people I'm open for business. I literally yeah. went around being like, I'm open for business. Like, I want to do more like I and um, kind of I got really lucky because Kieran, uh, the president of arts and crafts, like asked me for a coffee and he's like, our uh, our head of A&R has left. Yeah. Would you be interested in this position? And it's funny when he tells it because he. <laughs> He was like, you want to go for a coffee to talk about the position? And I had acted like he had already gave it to me. And I was like, let me get back to you and tell you if I'm interested. And he was like, I didn't even offer it to you. But I, <laughs> I like acted like I <laughs> sure, sure. I was like, thank you so much. Let me think about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how he tells the story. Um, but I I was like, I still want to manage. I still want to have my company, but I'll, I'll consult. So I, I, yeah. I, I did um, I did part time. And yeah, so yeah. I split my time between arts and crafts and managing. But, you know, um, the crazy thing is, is that like my first day at arts and crafts was uh, March 16th, 2020. So oh my gosh. Okay. It was yeah. the day <laughs> that COVID and, and uh, in many ways, like, like they, they like saved me. Right. Do you know right, what right, I mean? Right. Sure, like sure, I, sure. I, can't believe they still hired me considering my day one was yeah. March 16th. So I didn't even meet like the staff for like two years, you know? Um, but it, it, it was, Wild. Yeah. it was crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to have had them during that time. I, I think I would have gone crazy if I didn't. And totally. the timing of that was like very serendipitous. Um, but yeah, so so it was consulting, but then obviously uh, Venby and the beaches happened within the same month. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it was like Nicole had come to me with Venby and was like, "Shit's happening. We need your help." Yeah, yeah. And the beaches um, had been looking for a manager for a while, and I finally had the balls to take the meeting and tell them I wanted to do it. And they like literally happened two weeks within each other, and so I think it got. I was. I had to. Um. I had to leave A and C to kind of do everything properly. Totally. Uh, can we talk about Venby real quick? Because you mentioned Nicole, who's been on on the podcast, Nicole Saray. Uh, please go check out that episode if 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 you haven't. Um, you talk about her bringing you the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that's more of a, like a co-managing vibe, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a and, co-management. Um, and you were also doing that with Charlotte as well? Charlotte Cal- I was, Cal- yeah. Charlotte, I was co-managing. Um, can you talk to me about that um, in regards to co-managing? Also, one of the artists that I work with primarily, Elio, is, uh, is also co-managed by two two people. Yeah. Um, what are some, some of the realities there? Do you, li- you, you like that? It's very difficult. It's very difficult, it's sure. Very, it's very difficult. Um, I think me and Nicole... Uh, me and Nicole are super close. I mean, me right. and Jason were super close too. I, um, we had a lot of, me and Jason had a lot of fun. Like at the time we were like best friends and we, you know, we traveled the world together with Charlotte, like me, Jason, Charlotte, like went to LA, we went to France, we went to London, we went to Germany, you know, mm-hmm. we would, and we would just have a really good, t- good time. Sure. But it does get really hard because, you know, Sometimes I think you need, like, who's guiding the project? You sure. know what I mean? Like, who's at the forefront of guiding it? And if you have different views or if the artist trusts one more than the other, it kind of can easily create conflict. Um, 
But if you find a way to make it work, it's great. Like, I think me and Nicole work really great together. Right. Love working with her. And I think we found our rhythm. But it, it still took a while to find it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It wasn't, uh, it definitely wasn't overnight. And I think it's like, it's it's hard work. It's a little bit easier um, not being in a co-management yeah, yeah, than sure. it is in a, in, in, in a co-management. But you do have to kind of like, you really have to get to know the person and you really have to find ways and you really have to talk openly and um and and try to solve all issues between each other as quickly as possible right you know which before shit, you even bring it to the artist before you bring it <laughs> yeah, and, sure. and, and, and the artist can't know anything about yes, it you know yes. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the pros to it? Because I know Vemby is also based in the UK. Yeah. Um, I think the pros of it is that you split the work. Yeah. You know, so you have someone uh, that the artist trusts, mm. you know, that relies on. And you can, you know, for Venby especially, we uh, we were able to kind of like, there was always one person there, you know, once, at least like once a month or Every six weeks, there'd be someone there with Aaron, you know, popping in and saying hi. Mm. Um, and still now. And still now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, going to the manager vibe, we've been talking about it. We very, very much in and out of the script, the brief that I send out here. Yeah. Um, uh, a question that I adopted last week as well Um when you go to a party or an outing or somebody um, or a birthday, whatever it is, and somebody asks you what you do, how how do you describe what you do? How do I describe what I do? To, to somebody that's not necessarily in yeah. the industry. Again, thinking about the listener that might not necessarily know much about, about the industry. Yeah, I would say I'm like the the door between the artist and, and the rest of the world. And so... Right. Um, Every kind of decision or every request or every part of the business like goes through me and then gets to the artists. Mm-hmm. And so you're almost like the bodyguard between um, all assets of the music industry and the artist. Yeah. You also mentioned early on um, about like some of the mistakes <laughs> <laughs> you sort of looked to the ceiling and said, like, oh, some of the mistakes that I remember doing and yeah. stuff like that. Um, are there, without, like, crossing any NDAs or anything like that, um, <laughs> do, you, do you have a couple of, of things that, maybe not necessarily the mistakes, but maybe the lessons that you learned, like, early on yeah. in sort of management? I'm a loads. I've definitely emailed the wrong thing to the wrong person. <laughs> sure. Very embarrassing. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't like the right recipient or is it like it was like just the wrong uh, the, wrong the wrong thing at the wrong time wrong person <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, okay okay um i think it's also i learned like a lot of patience yeah with my artists um i think when you're younger it's hard to being a manager you have to be super patient and you can't take things personally and i think now that I'm older, I can handle a lot more without it affecting me personally. Whereas before I used to want to like tear my hair out. Right. And then it, it made me snap or it yeah, just yeah. kind of, um, we're talking to like more like deadlines situations, uh, like, uh, like anything really like the sure. stress between, 
Um, just, just when something's hot, like a lot of things kind of start happening at once Yeah, and being able to juggle them and being able to make sure that you're not overworking your client or killing your client totally. and not resenting them for not wanting to do something. You know, I think those were really, um, hard lessons I had to learn at the beginning. Yeah. Um, there's just like I can't even think of it. There's just, there's just like so many little things, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know the doing the right deal or the wrong deal, oh doing my gosh, yeah. like losing a bunch of money on a tour that you should have done, you know, like uh, uh, not overspending. You know, yeah. like it, you can really easily overspend on anything, and just making sure that the 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 artist's money is protected you know, um, so that they're capable of kind of like living off of it, but then also continuing to invest to continue to grow. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so many, um, that, you know, not taking the deal that is, is super high on money, but taking the terms, you know, right, right, right. right, There's just like Mm -hmm. so many things and so many little things that you can kind of like look in hindsight and then, you know, put in your little book, your brain to remember, uh, that's a better decision because mm. it, it, because after a while it becomes very repetitive. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And you see some, some, maybe some, some things with artists that are more developed, you see those things and then you sort of learn them for the artists that are less developed that are sort of joining exactly. the roster. Yeah. And you see it, you're like, Oh, that's a red flag from last time. Let's not do it again. Like yeah, that. Yeah. A lot of, so, a lot of that. A lot of that. A lot yeah. Of, yeah. So like now it's just, it's, it's just like the path is clearer. Yeah. What are some of the, I was going to go another way. I'm, uh, I'm going to go this way here. What are some of the things that you're stoked on learning with, let's say, Van Beer at the Beaches, that is upcoming? Like, or is there is there stuff that you're like over like that you're you're sort of like in the next like few months or a year or so yeah. that you're looking forward to it even just in like this is new. I'm stoked to sort of get into that. Yeah. Uh, good question. What is new that I'm excited to jump into? I don't know if there's anything new. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think it, I think it's it's pretty repetitive, but in a way that uh, it, it just it, sometimes you can try and try and try and try and not get the results, but when you um, when things are clicking and things yeah. are kind of working, you realize that like I, I, basically I, I think that as a manager you can do everything that you can to build a foundation Mm -hmm. to have a little bit of growth or hopefully a lot of growth. And so I can only control this amount, you know, like I know what I can control. And the more I, the more I, uh, the longer I've done it, the more I've been able to control bits and pieces of like artist careers. Like I can measure the value that I can bring and I know what I can bring. Sure. And the rest of it is just based off of luck, you know, or whether or not, an artist can connect with an audience, which no one can predict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that That's like something that's just like, that's just the magic of art really, you yeah. know? Um, and so I think it's, it's just about being able to, like now when you have artists that people are really reacting to and really growing with, it, it just like gets exciting about releasing new music or touring mm-hmm. or, or being able, the best part about being a manager, the same thing for an artist is like going on tour and then seeing people sing 
yeah. along to the records that you were a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I wouldn't say that's new, but I think, like, I think that's the best part. Does it? Going on the other path that I was talking about, are, th- are there some lessons um, or some advice that you sort of, that you got early on that you still, you're still thinking about, like, month to month or sort of week per week or something that somebody said in, in the UK, let's say, whatever, that yeah. still is, like, staying with you? Um, I think you have to remember the industry is really small. Yeah, sure. Um, and so you have to be careful about trying not to burn too many. Dr- I've burned a few bridges. I'm saying this. I'm like, I've burned a few. I've definitely burned a few <laughs> sure, bridges. Sure. Um, it's really small, but you just kind of have to like, you just need patience mm-hmm. and you just need to continue moving forward and and uh, just continue to putting records out and finding artists that want to put records out because every campaign that you do, you're going to learn from and and some might work and some may work and and some are you know every every moment is a building ground like is a building moment for an artist that you get to build on. And so as long as you just continue moving forward and you continue to be a part of as many projects as possible, like you kind of just like eventually hit gold, you know? Fantastic. Do you have any tips for anybody that would uh, be looking to go into management? Yeah. Uh, you ha- I find, I see this a lot. There's like a lot of kids that like, I want to work in the music industry. Yeah. But they're not doing anything. Mm. You know what I mean? They're just, they're going to school. And then they're just like applying to internships saying they want to do things. Yeah. I think you have to be proactive. You know, you have to find ways. There's so many things that you can do that show what you're capable of doing as a a young um, industry person. Like, is it you starting a podcast? Is it. Um, uh, starting an Instagram page and, you know, like Instagram or TikTok is like the new blog. Like, is it starting a TikTok where you play like, you know, three songs that I listened to today? I I think, uh, is it putting shows on, you know, like maybe you take a night at the Drake and you put your friends, is it managing a band, your friend's band? I think that like, even though you may not find some big, success out of that that proactivity behind actually doing shit is going to show for so much more than just going to school for it and applying for jobs and if i were if i were to look at a resume if i'm hiring someone yeah and someone's doing all of that that's like a huge like check mark for me yeah, like, yeah that's yeah, a totally. big yes for me totally yeah Hello, everybody. We are back. It's um, still the 48th episode um, with Lori Lee Boutet. There you go. So um, we're talking about management. Uh, and um, and yeah, can you take us through your day-to-day? My day-to-day? Yeah. Um, I probably wake up around 6.30 and immediately start emailing. <laughs> there you go. Um, is it 6.30 because of Envy specifically? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the UK is up, you know, five hours before. Mm-hmm. And um, and they probably end around like noon or one. Yeah. So I get a pretty... I, I, a lot of it is done from bed, but 
you do kind of get up, get on your phone and start emailing. Yeah. yeah. Like you can email from bed, but you can also do TikToks from bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But a big reference. It's a deep reference, but please go Exactly. (laughs) I also work from bed, Leandra. Um, I do emails and, you know, get to the office or go from, you know, work from home and Mm -hmm. probably do another hundred of you. Not a hundred, not. But y- y- there's a lot of emailing, and so I kind of in the morning try to get rid rid of as many as sure, possible, yeah. just to clear, um, to make sure that there's nothing waiting around. And then it's it's calls with the record label or the distributor or the agents um, or the clients, and kind of just uh, continuously. Pushing folder. It feels like sometimes it feels like I'm pushing a boulder up a hill. Yeah. And my job is just every day continuing to push everything forward and forward, especially for artists. Like artists can get really in their head about shit. Yeah. And, you know, do, you know, the 48th, oh, 40th, 40th mix on a song. And like at one point, it's like, we don't need that anymore. You know right. what I mean? Like, let's start, let's just start releasing music. And I find that my job is just a continuation of, pushing shit forward constantly so my day it it it, it just surrounds it, it's just about moving stuff forward there's something i hate more that's like a useless call <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like, this could have been an email vibe yeah like yeah. what did what did we get out of this like yeah. what did we achieve totally and so everything that i do ideally is based off of achieve like Pushing like checking forward, off, checking that, off it, checking off a, the a list. list, yeah, a continuous list a kind continuous, of thing. A continuous list. I think a lot of people think that management is like fun, yeah, and it's fun in a lot of ways, but it, it's so admin heavy. Mm, you know, yeah. like it's it's spreadsheets, it's emails, it's coordinating, it's 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 not glitz and glamour. It's mm. a shit ton of emailing. Mm-hmm. And a shit ton of just like managing and yeah, and boring work. Where do you see the most fun? Like, where when do you have the most fun? I mean, the crazy thing is, I love a spreadsheet. I do love a spreadsheet as well. Ugh, I love yeah. a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, like a good spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I it should do something very satisfying because there's an ending to it. You yeah, know, yeah. There's a yeah. number and. That's right. You know? And then, yeah, if you're modifying, if you do it well, people, you see it, yeah. see it go down. Oh, man. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I like, I, like, uh, I like the strategy behind a campaign. Like yeah. This strategy is probably yeah. my favorite bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is, our, what is our route to market? Yeah. What can we do that's different? How do we get there? Like, I think, I think, I think so so many managers are different in terms of every manager is different because like there's not really a way to learn how to do management. You kind of just have to learn how to do it on your own. Yeah. And so through that, people have different like things that people are just like better at. You know what I mean? Like some people are just really good at live and some people are really good at, at records or some people are really good at like, knowing the right people and and uh i just i always loved uh, i call it like hacking i always loved the hacks like what are the what are the tricks to drive consumption yeah so i've always been obsessed with uh 
like hacking the system. How do we hack the system? How right. do we, how do we, now we have a finished product. Mm-hmm. Like how do we get it to market? How do we, yeah. what can we do? So that's kind of, that's the, what you're good at. That's what I, that's basically. what I, yeah. Like that's what I'm good at. That's what I like. That's what you like. That's yeah. what I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are some of those things that you've seen um, change the most from the early days, days of Wednesday management to now? Like, I mean, obviously the industry changes tremendously yeah. over eight years. Yeah. Um, what are some of the bigger changes? It's funny because management is like it's so uh, it's so I'm biting my words because if Nicole listens to this, she's gonna shoot me in the face because today I was saying <laughs> management wasn't personal, but management's personal in like uh, in like the growth of building a manager. You know what I mean? And so when I started as a manager, I I uh, I went from purely A and R. And so, like, le- like I, the only things that I'd learned over that four-year period was kind of, like, how to make a record, how to find artists, right. how to, you know, what records ha- have success, what flopped, why, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and then going from that to learning how to be a manager was, like, it was just, like, a baptism of fire because I'd never, <laughs> like, learned how to, uh, like, get a visa, you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't sure. know how to apply for a visa. I didn't know how to manage revenue. I didn't know how to um, manage artists. Like, I, I guess I never, <laughs> it's funny, I never realized how, like, empathetic um, uh, management was. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I was probably the least empathetic person. <laughs> and I really had to, like, learn, I really had to learn how to do that mm-hmm. over time. And I really had to learn how to put my, my uh, artist needs first yeah. over mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's you know, there's that, that aspect, like me growing personally, learning as much as possible and becoming the manager that I am today. Like that's like a huge difference between what was and what, what's now. Um, but I, But it's, you know, now we have, there's like a few people with us, you know, like Nicole Desvenby and and Allison, who um, I recently hired in August, has been like an amazing addition. Yeah, and Brendan does day to day on on the beaches, so um, it's just completely changed my role, and so my role is now forever evolving. Yeah, how how are you? How are you handling like more of? Um, I'm gonna throw out a term here, but like CEOing. Or like, or like, just like managing, not necessarily yes, your artist, but also the assistants or co-managers on some some projects. It's it's definitely like a, a, a learning curve for me. Yeah, you, you get so used to working in silo that yeah yeah yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I have to now, you know, like I spent so much time learning how to put my artists first, and now I have to learn how to put the people around me first. Yeah, and like delegating, delegating, and stuff. delegating sure, yeah. is super hard sure. for me. And again, patience. Um, and so, yeah, the switch from that has been kind of hard, but in a lot of ways, really rewarding. And they're all so awesome. And it's yeah. great. It, it's great to not be alone. You know, yes, like, sure. like having people to bounce ideas off of yeah. or having people to like, I would be, you know, I remember I would work like 8 a.m. to like 10 p.m. because I had to do every small little detail. Yeah. Um, and now just being able to divide and conquer is so um, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
great. Yeah. Um, what are the, some, some of the current? Well, at the beginning of the episode, uh, I introduced you as being on the forefront of sort of like the modern management sort of vibe that I'm getting from 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 you, but also yeah. from just from the need in the industry now because I feel like there's such a gap between the like traditional music industry and now the new industry that we're seeing here with like short form content and all that stuff and like how that is changing the industry and the streaming and all that stuff. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but um, what are some of the current things that you're looking at um, that are important, important to you when you, when you even just hear the term modern management? Um, it's hard to say because like, I just feel like in a snap of my fingers, I'm going to be the old management. You know what I mean? Like it just like, it, com- it comes up, sure. it comes up real quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, for me, when I think modern management, it's just about one, it's the shift from the need of major labels to artists being completely independent. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge um change because with artists releasing records independently it means that the manager then becomes the record label and so um you have yeah. to be able well. to a and r like i like i'm an a and r i'm a marketing person i'm a sales person i'm an international person you know what i mean <laughs> i'm hiring pr and so like the job just completely changes yeah. in order to adapt to kind of um independence you know what i mean or or artists keeping their masters rather than signing to a major um and so that to me is kind of like the modern manager is like is 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 being the person building the business alongside the artist but also facilitating kind of like the exploitation of the masters as well like being the record label totally um and then with a strong focus on social media i just i will say this over and over again until no artist ever wants to talk to me again but today you have to tiktok yeah you have to and if it's not tiktoking it's going on youtube and releasing videos you have you have to drive consumption through connecting with your fans and the traditional media services, the, the traditional, the traditional ways just don't work as well. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to. Um, you're just like you're not going to be able to get as much out of a PR and radio campaign as you used to. You can wait around and just hope someone uses your sound and it gets and you get lucky, but that's like winning the lottery. Yeah, I think TikTok is such an important tool and an amazing tool that even if you don't go super viral, you're still capable of building a fan base. I mean, finally, Katie Tupper is doing that right now. You know, she hasn't had anything crazy go viral, but she's had these small moments of virality that are building her her streams, her daily mm-hmm. streams every single day. And it's just these small, like, 10,000 views and 50,000 views and 30,000 views. And those moments add up. And she's capable of driving more streams to her own project than, you know, almost a playlist would. Yeah. And so finding ways to uh, find an audience through TikTok is almost like talking about hacks. Like, that's the ultimate hack. Yeah. You can tour you, you there's still you can still use traditional ways to do it and like i'm not saying they don't work but you would be wasting a lot of time and money doing those rather than just focusing on like okay what is my short form content strategy yeah 
what are some of the like things that you would put money towards if you were an artist today? Short form content. Yeah. Just in regards to, to, to creating the short form content or sort of um, like pushing ads for the short form content, both? Is it um, like something? I, I think, I think like uh, you have to like first and foremost, I think it's a real shame it's going to sound like I'm being hypocritical, but it's a real shame that the burden of uh, TikTok in is put onto the artist because mm-hmm. they, and and it it sucks. They're like, why am I also, why am I TikToking? Like, why am I creating art, releasing it, doing all these things, and then fucking TikToking it? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's a, it's so much. Yeah. So, so what I would do is I would hire someone to help you do it. Right. You know, I think Meg Moon was game changer for the beaches. We love Meg on the pod. We love Meg. Like and and Meg was capable of of being around and filming and cutting videos and posting it and then learning what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And I think that took the burden off of the band and put into the hands of Meg and then it became fun and then obviously Blame Brett happened and and so in that moment she she's so valuable to the band and so if i had any money i would find a photographer friend who can edit tiktoks and just do content days and so you uh you do a bit of research you write down what you like find examples of what you want you find a friend that has a camera you pay them to film it and edit it maybe help pay you pay them to like help you come up with ideas Mm -hmm. and that would be number one yeah, that's if you have a thousand dollars, all of it is going towards that. Then, if you have a bit more money and you have enough content, then I would test the content, see what works best, and then use the the shit that works, and then put ads behind that. Yeah. And so that's number two. Yeah. Fantastic. And then, as as things grow and your driving consumptions and your streams are growing and you're building a story, then maybe hire press, but press is really for the story. Like yeah. press isn't going to do anything for you mm. until you're at a point where it becomes undeniable. Yeah. So like you can't come out of the gate getting like a Rolling Stones article. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you have to build a story organically. Yeah. But once that happens, hiring press, hiring radio is super, um, it's just super helpful. And there's so many ways, like, you know, for example, Alex doesn't uh, perform well on TikTok. Like, some of her videos go viral, not all of them, but her reels go viral like crazy. Right. And so she probably has, like, 45 million views of her song, Hate Love. And that drove consumption to the song. And yeah. then that helped, you know, when we did higher uh, pop radio to service this this single to Canada, like it climbed top twenty. Yeah, and so we created the story not through TikTok but through Reels, and then it helped build another bit of her story. So now not only does she have forty five million views on her Reels, she has um, a top twenty at CHR. She's got a magazine, you know, like L Canada wrote about her. Like you're you're capable of building these building blocks but at the end of the day it all comes from her driving consumption right through maybe not tiktok but reels like right. finding wherever she can find you know like finding wherever you can get something going utilizing what works utilizing what works yeah, yeah, yeah exactly totally. um going back here as well to sort of the comparison between um 
and well, not necessarily comparison, just an evolution. Um, how has your experience in A&R informed your role as an artist manager? Um, I would say very strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I would say that, um, I would, I would say that the records are the most important thing. Yeah. I think that very important. You, you see it all the time. Artists that they build marketing plans when they have no music. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, here's my here's my Instagram brand. It's like you're not a brand, you're not an influencer, you're an artist. Like the music is a product. So yeah. like the product, like you can do everything that you want, but if the music's not good, it's just not going to connect. And if it does connect, it's not going to it's not going to connect in a real way. So you have to make sure first and foremost that the records are there. Yeah. Now I, you know. I used to think I was a pretty good A and R. What my version of what A and R is? I think the art of A and R is dying. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that uh, you know, Venby is very lucky to work with uh, this guy Jamie Spinks, and I think working with him great name, but Jamie, <laughs> you know, working with him. I like learned myself what a real A and R should be like the way that he he's so good at making records. I've never seen anyone do it the way that he does, and it's so rare to have someone like that who's like so ingrained in the record making process. Like I was, I I like, I've never been like that. I I, I can give really great. I think can give good mix notes. You know, I can have notes on productions, but I can't make records like he has and he can. And I think he's the one that made me realize I was like, all right, shit. Like I can't do that. You can, you know, like I, I, I'm not as good as you when it comes to making records, Mm. but I just don't think there's many people that, uh, can do what he does nowadays. You know, I think that everyone now, A&R is just about chasing, uh, TikTok moments. Right. And then, uh, and then hoping that it happens again. Yeah, and I, and as you, you've said, like the label is not in, in the in the labels anymore. It's it's really in the audience. Yeah, and it's like it's like the audience, like they're discovering the artists now. So yeah. it's like the audience is the A and R, hundred percent discovering. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's very interesting. But um, but there's a misconception. I think that uh, we have this in Canada where everyone associates uh, finding talent as being A and R, but that's being an A and R scout. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. I think like you you hear all the people like people love putting A and R titles in front of you know what I mean like yeah yeah if they they're finding artists if kind they're of thing. finding but artists but it's way more than that but it's yeah. but that's not it yeah you're ta- you're like if you're just finding artists you're just a talent scout yeah you know what I mean like to A and R is like is sure to find it but then to also like sign it to help them make the record to find the right producers to uh, find the right songwriters if they need it to help them pick the right singles yeah to make sure the right you know like to make sure that albums and like it's so much more than just um finding the artists right it's like that it's, it's like it's like the artist support but at the label yeah kind of thing yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um behind the scenes here question very general you could it could be anything. What are some of the behind the scenes aspects of your job that listeners might not be aware of, but would find uh, fascinating or interesting? Oof. Maybe not necessarily just your job, but just like the industry. Like, do you, is there something that sort of comes to mind? <laughs> uh, what about my job is or industry is interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really. I'm really struggling. I'm sure. really struggling. <sighs> or maybe not necessarily interesting, but like uh, something that like they wouldn't expect 
Like, yeah. they think, they think okay, Lori's like this, but it's actually something like this. I think that the thing about the music industry, more in management, more than anything, is that, like, mm. you, uh, we're just, we're just playing the lottery. It's like a hits-based industry. Yeah. And so you're kind of just, like, forever chasing the rain, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. And, but because of that, you get fueled by the small wins. And so, like, the whole, like, my whole job is just ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, like, you know, you get an email, ah, oh, this is happening, this is how you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, a viral yeah. TikTok, you know, like, I was on my poor partner, like, I was, I, you know, we were in Portugal when Blame Brett went viral, and I was just glued to my phone for, <laughs> for days, sure. you know what I mean? And I'm the... Sure. The days that we had off and you just, the highs are so high, but the lows are so low, mm-hmm. but you kind of, those highs are kind of what, uh, make you keep wanting to do it yeah. and pushing forward. But it's, uh, it's not, I think a, a lot of people, they just have kind of jobs, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and you can kind of like, if you put in the work, then down the line you'll get promoted and you'll get this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This and the this. bonuses yeah. and the vacation. Whereas here <laughs> we're just like, it's it's just it's just an absolute wild west, and we're just it just feels like I'm just forever chasing a high. It's like we like it's what I assume being a drug addict is, you know, yeah. like we're just looking for those moments that to celebrate and feel great about, and then and then it just becomes shit again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, similar to a question earlier on, but. Um, any career highlights? Um, maybe a few of those of those moments that you're saying, yeah. like those like wins that like that big the big day or the big yeah. the evening or whatever. So I mean, just a couple maybe. I think like one that was really, really crazy for me was when I um, I was so devastated when I left the UK. Mm, and i spent years like i'm gonna prove them wrong Mm. you know like i'm gonna like the uk wrong yeah i'm gonna prove these motherfuckers wrong yeah do you know what i mean like i was so mad i wanted to hit so badly like i just i just wanted them to be wrong and i just like was just so heartbroken and like literally fucking drove me for years and it's funny how uh when I eventually grew up and stopped caring as much, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I no longer needed to have uh, to prove this like market, you know what I mean? Wrong or the people wrong. Mm-hmm. I became very happy with where I was and who I was and what I'd built outside of that. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> for Venby, Venby to blow, you know, low down, And we, you know, we did the meetings and we sat down in front of every single label and every single label offered. Like we had, we had a choice of, of whatever, whichever, everyone was like, whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're hands up, let us know what you want. And it was so funny to go back and do the, you know, like (laughs) to do the rounds. But, but, and it was like, it was that moment that I dreamed for, for, it would have been like, um, like eight years, mm. you know, like I'd waited for that moment for eight years. Yeah. Um, but it's funny cause in hindsight it didn't, 
uh, it didn't do what I wanted it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, I'd, I'd become, it didn't, I'd become so grown from that moment of yeah. like, tr- like forever trying to prove something wrong that like, it was very, very validating, but it didn't like solve any issues. That sure. I I oh my God. Solve, Every you know? time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but it was fun, but it, it, it was fun to kind of sit in front of all those people, you know what I mean? And still and some of the around. same people. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, are, are there still some people like in London that you, that you know, from then it's oh, is it all, all still the same it's people all the same yeah. it's yeah. all the same it's all the same people Literally. so like <laughs> yeah. so it was people that i'd yeah. known forever um Fantastic. and that was very fu- it was fun it was like i felt like i like came back on a you know the red carpet sure world and sure. and i envy and nicole to thank for that and we had a lot of fun doing that it was mm-hmm. cr- kind of like a crazy uh time but uh very funny to look back <laughs> uh, uh just because I don't know, uh, who did uh, y'all end up signing with? Columbia. Fantastic. Columbia. And the One UK. of my favorites. Yeah, they're um, great. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to at the moment? Um, what am I looking forward to? I guess just... I don't think about this shit. I don't have anything. Uh, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to continuing to grow. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully growing my business, taking yeah. on more people. I'd love to eventually take on, like, managers, be able to bring in managers who can manage more clients and help them through the mistakes. I didn't have the... I, I, in hindsight, this would have been a hack, but like, I didn't really have any mentors or I never did day to day for anyone. Yep. Um, I always kind of did everything my own. And I think in hindsight, I, shit might've happened a little bit quicker if I had someone helping me yeah. or guiding me. Sure. Um, and I didn't have that. And, um, and so I'd love to be able to, to, have other people learn from my mistakes sure. so they can kind of hopefully grow faster. Yeah. And that's different from the people that you have current, like currently under you, like, uh, like Alice and yeah. Cole, Brendan. Yeah. No, but like, no, it's the same, you know, like that, yeah. but like more, you just know more, I mean? just yeah, more people, just yeah. more people yeah, 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 and yeah. more clients and Fantastic. hopefully eventually building the business. That'd be great. Yeah. I guess very similar. We can also just move on. But do you, what's what's the dream? Like the dream, the 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 dream. Yeah, the dream. Very big question for for Wednesday, but maybe even for yourself. I I I I, th- I think that uh, I don't know. I always think like who's gonna replace the people who have had management companies for years mm-hmm. you know and i i think the dream is to just be just to do it forever i think that's hard <laughs> you know like I, yeah. I i like i can put ambitions but i think music is so hard and management is so hard that i just want to be able to do it forever yeah. and i just want to continue well you know like i love i'm i'm i think for the first time i'm in a place where i 
I just love the clients that I work with. They're very fun. They're all yeah. really kind. Uh, we all have a lot of fun doing it. And I, um, just to, just to be able to, I got to think of more ambitious shit, you know, but just to be able to do it and to, to, to become ideally one of the biggest management companies in Canada. It's so hard to sort of think about your own ambitions when you're always thinking about others' ambitions. That's true. Um, so just <laughs> leaving that up, leaving that like that. Uh, very last question before yeah. we go into the game. If you had to restart your journey with the knowledge that you have now, what would you different, do differently? I mean, we could also just skip this question if you're if, if the answer is getting more mentors and stuff like that. But if there was the one thing, maybe even beforehand, like yeah. even when you when you were still uh, in London uh, in university or something. Um, it's funny because I, I when I started in A&R, I thought I was going to be like a, a company person. Yeah, sure. I was yeah. like, I'm going to work universal forever. <laughs> and it wasn't until I left and I started my company that I realized I was like, oh, I'm actually an entrepreneur, and I didn't even know. Yeah, I, I, I like feel like a lot of this shit. Like people just like I'm born knowing, and I think like a lot of, I think I was doing a lot of things without realizing that that's what I was. Like when I was like 11, I'd like make little companies, and I'd go to my right. mom's office, and like her graphic designers would like make me websites, and I think yeah. it's, it, it, they meant nothing, but I think I always had like a a want to do things on my own. Yeah. Um, but I would never take away the experience that I got from working at a corporation because it taught me so much and it kind of gave me like the, uh, I think the, the standards of what success is, right? So like when you're, especially like a UK corporation, like their view of success is very, very high. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because they invest a lot. And so yeah. this is successful. And they've been an establishment for years. They've been an establishment. Universal is like. Yeah. So you kind of like, I think if I would have been a manager from the beginning, I wouldn't have, I would have thought something that wasn't su like successful was successful. So I would never have been always kind of like, nope, it needs to be here. This isn't good. This isn't good. This isn't good. Right. And always kind of striving for more. Um, but I don't think I would take anything away. You That's know? good. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's your, um, do you have a benchmark for um, things that are good? It's so hard because like it, it, it's like you could say, oh, I want the beaches to be as big as Justin Bieber, which I would love for them to be as big as Justin Bieber. But it's just like so like that is just like that's just a lottery. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so and so I think the most important thing to a benchmark to success for an artist is longevity. Are they capable of doing this? Yeah. And living off of this for the rest of their lives? Um, are they capable of touring and not losing money are, you know, and so obviously there's more like we would like, like as big as possible. And we are striving to be as big as possible. Sure. But the truth is that it's so hard in the music industry that it, sh it should just be like, can you do this for the happily for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. And we're back, everybody. It's, uh, yes, again, 40th episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're here with, with the dream fest game with, I mean, Laura Lee Boutet. 
Um, and I, I say it like that because <laughs> because we're both coming from a French background, so I don't I don't necessarily know how to pronounce it uh, in the English way, I guess. Uh, but for those who don't know, uh, the Dreamfest game is basically getting a sort of insight on uh, the guests, sort of like what they'd like to see live or what they're listening to currently and what they'd love to see live, stuff like that. Um, I basically ask them what their Dream Festival lineup would be, uh, like uh, three acts. Uh, headliner, second headliner, opener, where uh, this this festival would happen or this evening uh, would happen, uh, when it would happen, like during the year, uh, the attendance, is it an intimate show or is there 100,000 people on a beach in Rio vibe? Uh, and last but not least, if there was a food or drink on the menu that would best represent you, what would it be? Um, I've actually been to a festival on a beach in Rio. Yeah, like Rock in Rio? Yeah, but it was Tiesto. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah, I think we just happened to be in town. Fantastic. What? <laughs> More on that at another time. But yeah. um, w- how would you like to start the uh, the Dream Fest game? Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna go for it. Okay. Um, headliner would be Beach House. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Beach House. Fantastic. But like when the sun's going down. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like as an opener vibe. No, no, like. Uh, it's like a late summer. Okay. You know? Right. Late summer. Right. Beach it ends with beach house. Okay. Um and main support, they're obviously bigger, but I do think that I would I just want beach house last. Yeah. Um main support would be the strokes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Um I love the strokes. And then my opener would be super random. Um but it would be Foxygen. Okay. Do you know Foxygen? Uh, I don't. Yeah. It was like a band that was really hot in like 2010. Yeah. And they released one record and they sound like Rolling Stones and they're really sick. I don't even think they exist anymore, but I would, they would be my opener. Fantastic. I know the name. I've just never checked out the music. Yeah. It's it's really good. And then. um, Where would this happen? If it's summer, it'd be nice if it was in a. I don't want it too full. Yeah. But like, I don't want it like I don't it, like you can't you don't want to watch the strokes intimately. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It yeah. has to feel like a <laughs> yeah. party. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it could be um. Not Bud Stage, but what's what's um Echo Beach? Echo Beach. Yeah, Fantastic. I think that would be a good one. Okay. Yeah. Great. And uh, so, and you were saying um, and like summertime, like summertime, but like not like late in the evening. It was more of like a like a late afternoon vibe. Yeah, so you'd I end on I beach house. Yeah, I don't go to bed. That's right. Late. That's right. I go to bed very early. <laughs> That's right. I know this. Um, yeah, everybody makes fun of me <laughs> for it. Um, especially fine. the beaches. It's fine. Yeah, you, oh, it's past. It's it's ten. Oh my gosh, those those girls are. Yeah, it's uh, past Lori's yeah. bedtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they love that joke. Yeah, they're going to bed at six thirty when yeah, you wake up. Yeah, when I wake up. Um, and the food that we would be serving would yes. be lobster rolls. Fantastic. <laughs> I love a lobster roll. Yeah, there you go. That's me. Um, great. Well, that sounds like a great evening. I hope we can make it happen. Um, although that's not the point. <laughs> We're not going to make this happen. This is not a promotion for this evening. But, um, thank you for coming on. That's how we end, end the app. Yeah. Um, thank you for, um, everybody that's listening. Uh, it was so great to, um, sort of talk to we haven't really necessarily spoken that much um but it's so great to sort of get to know the story uh and uh the the journey as well 
and get to know where you're at in the modern management uh, of it all. So, uh, but yes, again, thank you for everybody, uh, to everybody for listening. Um, again, 48th episode. I can't, uh, I can't believe we're here, uh, 48 straight weeks since January of this year. Um, and it's the last episode of the year. So we're going to take a few weeks off to sort of recoup, um, thinking about projects for the next year. Uh, stay tuned, uh, at eights, creative eights community, uh, wherever you're listening to this, either on your, uh, favorite listening platform or on YouTube. Um, and, um, yeah, thanks again. We'll see you, uh, see you next year, everybody. Thanks, Laurie.